Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to the Nobodies Podcast. It's another somebody session in which these nobodies bring on a somebody who is an expert or rising star in their field. June is Pride Month. So this week, our somebody is an LGBTQ plus entrepreneur, digital marketing genius, and podcaster. When he's not running his insanely successful website, Gaiety, he's educating the masses on his podcast, aptly titled Pride, which shares stories of sexuality, gender, love, and laughter in hopes of proving once and for all that the LGBTQ plus experience is much more than a rainbow flag. This week's somebody is Levi Chambers. All right, we're recording. You start. Okay, first of all, do not tell me what to do. Walked right into that one. All right. Hey, guys, I'm Annie. And I'm Bryce. And we are the Nobodies. Experts on nothing. Opinions on everything. That hey guys. was very fancy. <laughs> Isn't he so good at those? Um, yes. Oh, my gosh. Go Annie, I'll be quiet. thank you. I know. I have to give you credit. I would like people to think that I write the intros, even when I read them, but I don't. Um, well, Annie is a phenomenal writer, too. She's a phenomenal email writer. Like, she just know I, I she sent me a couple of her emails that she's done, and I'm like, how do you, what are you, this is, like, too professional. I just- minimize the number of words I use, typically, so I just try to get straight to the point. Yes, yes. Um, yes. Well, thank you so much for being here, Levi. Right off the bat, to give up some context to our listeners, aka our moms, um, your boyfriend is Brandon Marlowe, who is the co-host of the widely popular Dear Chelsea podcast and was on our very show just a few weeks ago. Um, you guys have been together forever. And so I just thought it'd be fun. The first question that we asked him on on his episode was, uh, what is the secret to lasting love? So I, we wanted to ask you the same thing. That's so fun. I probably should have listened to his interview. (laughs) Well, I do. I did go back and listen to remember what he said, but I do want to hear what you had to say first. Okay. So the question is, what is the secret to a lasting uh, relationship? That's the question, right? Yes. Um, You know, I honestly think, and his answer is probably totally different, but I do think it's, it is like being open to communication, even about really annoying things or if you're really mad like talking through it and I don't know if he's ever brought this up but like if we get into a fight or something like that generally they don't last very long because I'll either be very annoying or I'll like (laughs) I will like I'll like shuffle into the room if we had a fight and then just like stare until he smiles and he'll usually say like get away from me or something like that (laughs) then it lasts like another 30 seconds and then he'll start laughing and say like I want you to get away or something so I would say it's just like a lot of times we'll talk through it. And the other thing I will always say is, is this worth it? Like, is, is all of this worth being this mad? Is what happened, whatever it was worth this. And very rarely is he like, yes. (laughs) Oh, don't you think that's something that you, cause I've been in a, uh, almost 10 year relationship also. Um, don't you think that's something you learned later on though? Yes. Like the like which battles to choose? Cause I remember like, there are things that come up now where I'm just like, Oh my God, whatever. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, does this really matter? I, yeah. Mm, probably not. But sometimes he's, yeah. You know, yeah. I do oh, wish I, could, I am. I'm I really wish mad. I could comment on um, ever having a relationship, but uh, I can't. So I'm just like, <laughs> I can just keep going. But no, Brandon basically said that he, he, he said that it is about communication. And he also said, yeah. if I remember that he said, um, 
he just doesn't ever want to get, he doesn't give up on things. You and Brandon also really look alike right now. I know that you and I both have man buns, but you guys like, Annie, you even said, we saw your pictures on vacation. <laughs> there we go. We saw vacation. Yeah, there you have a hat on. I love it. Yeah. But no, you're it's both you have long blonde hair. You're both ripped. Like you went on vacation and just were like posted. Like you guys were a full mood the whole yes. time. I Annie mean, even he's said that. ripped. I have like an ET body. Like, <laughs> like thin arms. You know, I'm just like, I was doing a lot of soul cycle, which I think makes your legs great. So when people are like, oh, you skipped leg day. For me, they're like, you skipped all the other days, but you have leg day down. I feel that. Yeah. We're both big. Bryce and I are both, we both have Peloton. So we're obsessed with it. Yes. And I agree. If you don't like do the other stuff, it becomes very obvious. Yes. And he's much um, better at Peloton. I mean, she's much better all around, but most, but especially Peloton, you know, she's just very dedicated to it. And so I would, I, I think you would know, certainly. Yeah. Um, but was that planned? Were you guys planning on just like growing your hair out and like, you know, working out like crazy or? Kind I of promise we'll be out. done with Brandon after this question. Okay, yeah. so like the hair situation, I started growing mine out probably like 2015 or 16. So it's been fairly long. Right now it's a little bit like Amish-ish. That's I what like he it. said. That's he what he said. The same thing. I it's said it looks Amish-ish. like a fierce Kim K bun. Oh, okay, it could be that. Yeah. 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 Uh, last night we went to dinner with a, a girlfriend and her hair was exactly the same. And she was like, people are going to think we're like a weird thruple. <laughs> but we all have like... You're in a cult. You're I in a cult. You're in a or maybe cult. we should have all worn white, and people would have been like, "Oh yes, yes." You were like the children of the corn, grown up. Yes, that's yes. basically yes. what you would have been. You would have fancy been. West Hollywood children of the corn. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So speaking for myself, because I do not speak for Annie. Um, Ever. I know he knows better. Yeah, I know better. But um, I want. I, I don't think that I know uh, what all of the acronyms in LGBTQ plus. Are so could we just like run through those quickly? Okay, but are we gonna run through like LGBTQ or yes. LGBTQIA plus like the full acronym's massive? They call it the Alphabet Mafia for a reason. I'm literally googling to remember what they all are. Well, um, what, and I know well, like I can go yeah. halfway down. What's I, we can just do through yeah. Q and yeah. just for reference. I mean, we can to do IA o- for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah okay. Yeah, we can do that too. But just for reference, a large portion of our audience is the, in, based in the Midwest. So yeah. a lot of this oh. may be new info for exactly. them. Exactly. Um, so we just, I just wanted to preface that. Okay, great. Well, then we can, for them, we can probably go LGBTQIA plus because there's uh, some of the acronyms like two spirit and things like that when you get the full acronyms fairly long. But um, obviously, lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans. And then in the past, like, people have said, like, oh, the Q is for questioning or queer. And then some of the acronyms will have QQ, right? For like, questioning and queer, but it's a little bit of like a discussion there. I would say it's lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, queer, and then intersex, asexual. But then you also have pansexual, a lot of other identities that are represented in the full acronym. I'm serious. We should Google it and get the full one so we can go through it quick. Okay. So here we go. So I did find it. And this, this is, that was fast. I yeah, did found it. My thesaurus. This is through uh, the BBC. So we're going to assume it's right. But um, what they've got is LGBTQQIP2SAA, standing for, there's a cat outside, lesbian, gay, bisexual, <laughs> transgender, question and queer, intersex, pansexual, two spirit, androgynous, and asexual. <sighs> so, wow. I mean, that's, okay. it does get a bit long. I think a lot of people use either LGBTQ, more so LGBTQIA. Mm-hmm. 
I very rarely hear people in any sort of context, maybe even in maybe an academic setting, they would be like, who knew this is the full acronym. You must know them all. But it would be very long to like, can you imagine that on like a hashtag on some sort of pride activation? Like, or just even in like a normal conversation, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they would just, yeah, it'd be just hard to get through it all. Is enough for that. LGBTQI plus seems like enough conversationally, although obviously mad respect to all of the identities of course course. represented by it. Yeah. Yeah. And we're full support. I mean, obviously, I mean, I don't think that's, (laughs) but no one that knows us questions that. Yeah, exactly. But I do want to ask what is intersex? I was going to ask the same thing. Okay. So I'm not intersex. So I'm probably not a great person to ask about it, but I can give you like the, I can give you like the idea of, of yeah, my, yeah, my concept all, of intersex yeah. where someone who is intersex will probably have a very different um, answer. But uh, essentially like assigned sex that you're assigned with at birth is on a scale, right? So it's not like black and white. You're a boy or, or you're a girl. You're born with a penis or a vagina, right? Can we say that? We already did. Um, yes. So intersex it kind of acknowledges that there is this full scale, this like uh, if it was a range of colors, it'd be from like white too black, but you have gray in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. And that a lot of people are born with genitalia that maybe doesn't fit completely into one of those buckets. So intersex is that term for those people who fall in between anatomically a mm-hmm. vagina and a penis, which is actually a lot more common than one would think. Right. Um, I'm not sure what the ex- the exact like statistics are on on how many people are intersex, but that's that's kind of it, which I honestly learned that when I started in queer media in 2014, I don't think that the, I mean, the I obviously has always been there, but it wasn't the LGBTQIA acronym, I would say is becoming more popular now than it was in 2014 or 15. But um, yeah, that's, that's essentially it is that intersex are, are people who are born with maybe not entirely what someone would consider like anatomically male or anatomically female, that there is some level of variation in there. Right. And in between, if that makes sense. So so that's more of a biological. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think where some confusion comes in is the biological aspect of it versus the identity aspect of it. Totally. And so, okay. So intersex would qualify more as biological. Yeah. Yeah. And I I would say even more so than because it is physical, like physically, this person is born intersex, right? They, yeah their kind of their genitalia maybe, or even other aspects beyond their genitalia may be a little bit more of what people associate with uh, someone born with a vagina, right? Even if that person may be biologically male. Um, So yeah, intersex is is essentially someone who's born in between having a penis or a vagina. And it's a very common thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I've wondered that for a long time. So thank you for clarifying. Well, yeah. I also think that just even this entire subject is so interesting because of the fact that we have to, and I've been, I, I just feel like I've just sort of on the precipice of learning all this stuff, but basically there is no life is in, in no shape, way or form is about black and white. Like it's, there is a multitude right. of colors. There's a multitude of variants. There's a multitude of all this stuff. And I think there is, you know, and I want to ask you, more about like older generations and how they kind of relate to all this stuff. But I, I definitely feel like that is sort of an older generation thing where this is like, this is either black or it's white and none, nothing about this conversation specifically is black and white. I think it's also important to remember, like people do think of like, like you said, society tells us to think in black and white and that like 
you're either male or you're female because there's a binary in society and that's what we're supposed mm -hmm. to adhere to. But there are lots of people who are born with a combination of either male or what you would think of as female biological traits. And um, I, again, I don't have all of the stats, but there's also a movement to stop uh, surgery that either, I guess like doctors in the past have attempted to correct someone born intersex and try to make their genitalia look more one way or the other. And a lot of times parents would decide that. So that's another thing that, that I think has kind of more recently become a topic for conversation is ending intersex surgery until someone is, you know, an adult or at least can make a choice for themselves because there are people who are born intersex and underwent a surgery because their parents or their doctor decided to do that. And then later down the road, they don't identify with that gender or their body was more biologically one gender than the other or, or more male than female. Well, yeah. And now that decision has been made for them if that makes sense. So that's also part of the intersex movement, I think right now. Does that, and I don't want any of my questions to come off as controversial, but does that have any impact on the trans community and gender confirmation surgeries? Do you think? I mean, I think intersex and trans are totally different. Again, I'm right. not trans, so it's hard for me to speak for them. But um, in general, trans people who are attempting to uh, align their body with who they are on the inside, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's essentially it. So gender confirmation surgery is with, you know, uh, hopefully it helps remove some of the dysphoria that people experience when their body may be biologically, what someone would say is male, but they are female and, you know, mm -hmm. completely a woman. So that's, that's kind of, I would say that's different, right? Because biologically they may be not intersex completely right. born no, with just male with genitalia. You wholeheartedly on that. I'm referring more to if there's a movement to ban intersex surgery, if there's legislation or things like that involved where there's most likely going to be an age limit in force or something like that. I want, yeah, I would just be curious if they would try because our society is fucked. I would just be curious to see if they would try to kind of enforce that on every, like, you know, every group of people. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Again, it's all just like a what if, I but I was just a curious. Lot of surgery. Yeah. I think a lot of intersex surgeries happen to kids um, who are just born infants, children who maybe are born with genitalia that doesn't match the ideals that their parents or their doctor thinks they should have. Mm -hmm. So that person decides to, you know, a physician or a parent decides to correct it where gender confirmation surgery for a trans person generally happens later in life when they make the decision to okay. do that. It's and they've gone through all the steps. Yeah. Yeah, we're intersex. I think that the idea of like banning intersex surgery, it's more about not about banning the surgery. It's about banning a doctor or a parent or someone who's not the person's right to Maybe choose for them whether or not they have, you know, their their well, God, and you have so much like hormones and everything going through your body, like as you grow up. So I mean, it's it's and obviously you can't speak for yourself when you're an infant. So it it is right. it is a really interesting point. Um, I, that, thank you for that. Um, thank you for that. I know that you're, you're neither, you're neither trans nor intersex, yeah. but I think that you gave a great explanation for it. I do want, you mentioned that you, in 2014, you started in queer media and I wanted to know if this was something like, how did you decide you wanted to lean into this? What was, what were some of your inspirations and where does your ambition come from? Because God, we have a lot of things to talk about with you. Uh. Um, you know, it started where I, at the time I, when I left school, I was working predominantly in marketing and advertising and most of the writing I was doing was for ads. Um, and I wanted to get into editorial 
And there was an opportunity to, at the time, launch, relaunch a brand called gay.com, which was like a dating platform and make it an editorial brand. And the company that was doing it was Here Media, which became Pride Media. They owned like Out the Advocate, a lot of larger LGBTQ publications. So I applied to do that, which was technically to be like editor-in-chief of gay.com. And that never happened because of logistic reasons. I ended up getting hired by the company and instead launching pride.com, which still exists. It's still a thing that Pride Media does. Um, its editor-in-chief was Rafi Ermac, and I'm not certain who it is today, but maybe they don't have one yet. But um, that was kind of the real draw was I wanted to be in the LGBTQ space. I thought that was awesome, but I wanted to be an editorial. And that was kind of my first step into it, which is kind of strange, right? Going from like marketing and advertising to editorial. But yeah, I wanted to, I don't know. I had like the Buzzfeed bug. I was like, I want to work for Buzzfeed and those kinds of publications. <laughs> and so that's how it started. And well, yeah. And like, well, and, and gaiety.co, which is, which is you acquired in 2018 is very similar in my opinion to a Buzzfeed type site. Like I sent, Annie, I, I sent Annie, I was laughing hysterically at a list I came across called 18 Disney characters who probably are a LGBTQ plus. And, <laughs> and it was a list that included the genie from Aladdin and Scar from the Lion King. And also in my opinion, I feel like Ursula from the Little Mermaid has to be really should be on that list we need to send an edit i'll send an edit like update this it's incorrect <laughs> no but i started so then i was like really fascinated by it and i started looking into the i started looking into like the little mermaid and apparently the little mermaid the whole movie is essentially a, a, a gay love story by the guy yeah. who wrote it was he he was essentially ariel and he he like her feelings toward like the land where I don't know why I'm, I'm not trying to laugh or no. diminish it, but like it's just silly to think about the Little Mermaid. But like her, her like wanting to be on the land and be where the people are was him, you know, uh, with his. He, it was uh, wait, now I can't think of his name. Was, I think it was Anderson, Hans Anderson, maybe. And I was just yeah. reading about it, but I guess basically there's a queer storyline there. Yeah, it was yeah. like unrequited love for feelings that he had for men, and so but there's all these other like aspects, and that like Ursula was someone who like hated Ariel and because she wanted the same things, or like maybe she was jealous of her, or like there was like a sexual yeah. undercurrent there. Like it's just there's a lot. It's of queer that. coded for sure. Yeah, I mean, which is great. <laughs> it's, it was just hilarious to just like think about that stuff. I mean, is that sort of the you know. So anyway, going back to gaiety, how did that sort of come about? And, you know, what, tell us about that experience of, of acquiring this. Cause at this point, before you had acquired it, you were, were you, were you running pride.com at the time? So no, I had actually okay. stepped back from editorial and I had shifted into social media for the company. So I was predominantly working in their like social studio. We were doing their Instagrams, Facebook, Twitter, all of those things. So I had stepped back from pride maybe like a year and a half before I think I led pride from 2014 to 2016. And then I did social from 2016 to like May, 2018. And then Gaiety and the other brands happened at the end of 2018. And then in the beginning of 2019, we launched the Instagram accounts at LGBT at LGBTQ at pride at queer, a whole bunch of those. Um, oh, yeah, so, I got it written all down here. Hang on. I, I know. There's we, a can bunch. Go through, we can go through them all in a minute. <laughs> Boy. So we launched those. Um, but yeah, I, I, had done queer media. I took a little bit of a break for a few months and, you know, I was like, what am I going to do? And then of course it was like the sirens calls like back to the sea. 
Oh, which is yeah. a good tie-in to your little mermaid. Yes, exactly. you Thank you so yeah. much. God, you are a pod. You are a yeah. storyteller after my own heart. I'm telling you. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that's kind of how that happened. It's really interesting how you you came across this lane and that you were so, so you've been so successful in it. I mean, we try. Uh, it's never just though, like the one person, especially in queer media, it really takes a lot of people to make one to make it relatable to lots of different types of people. Like when I preface things by saying like, I'm going to give you my answer, but I'm not like that. I don't identify as that, what, whatever that is, insert word. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll give you my best answer. It's really important to have people that can say like, oh, I do an identify as lesbian or queer or whatever. And can speak to their own life experiences. So yes, we're successful, but there's a lot of a lot going on in the background and a lot of people contributing to make it authentic. And that's that's hard. I mean, I, one person can't do it when it's something like that, right? Right. Like, right. It's representative of a lot of different types of people. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Sometimes it is. We we recently did this thing for TikTok where we um, asked our Instagram audience to answer some questions, and. They did. A, a lot of people can send in their answers. They were really good. But there was a moment when I watched like our mashup of a bunch of people answering the same question. And it is like, this is really cool when you see a lot of people from all over that responded to your Instagram story yeah. and contributed. And you're like, oh, it does have like legs, like people in other countries mm-hmm. follow it and engage with it. And that, that felt really cool. There was a moment of like, how neat. <laughs> oh, totally. This is neat. Yeah. I always tell I always tell Annie that she went when once she decides that she wants to run the TikTok or TikTok, it's we're just gonna explode. Like we're just gonna blow up as a as a as a podcast and as a show. No, I have very little time. So the last thing I'm gonna take on is a TikTok. And I have all the time in the world, so, <laughs> so- Maybe you should be doing the TikTok. Hey, thank you. Thank it's, you. No, it's like, it's too hard. I can't wrap my head around it. I can barely wrap my head around the Instagram. Speaking of Instagrams, you like, you have, you oversee these massively successful Instagram accounts. As you mentioned, they include at LGBT, at LGBTQ, at pride, at queer, at gaycation. First of all, who has time for that? Yeah, that's what I meant by <laughs> a lot of people. So when you say like, I oversee, there there are people who are working on it all the time and working with creating relationships to make things happen. For example, we were at a rally on Saturday. I am not sure which one it was because I didn't set that up. Uh, the person that does, his name is Ray Monahan, and he actually, Great job, Ray. Yes. Ray's doing, I mean like killing the game. Right. Um, so Ray, I met at pride media. He actually hired Ray to manage out magazine social. And then, you know, fast forward two years, I left, he left. And six months later, he came to help me with the Instagrams. And that is honestly, it is a full-time job. Like, especially if you're putting in a lot of effort into representation and then even things like this is something he does that I never would have thought to do. And it takes extra time is he will write an uh, image description of exactly what's in the image for anyone who's either using, um, I can't remember what the tool's called on your phone where it reads you the text to tell you what's in the image, right? The alt description or whatever oh, yes. for people who are vision impaired. He, some of those he writes oh, that's amazing. a thousand words. Like you described the color of her shirt. Like, wow. So sometimes I do look at stuff and I'm like, this does take a long time to do it well, but it's worth it when it, when you mm-hmm. look at it and you're like, mm, but we did it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I you did that in 2018 is when all of these Instagram accounts, came about roughly the Instagrams launched in January, 2019. I cannot believe all of those handles were available. 
Um, they sort of were. So a lot of social networks, it's not that anyone has them. They're really careful with certain words to make sure that they don't end up and like certain words you can't have, right? For good reason. So like, like that Trump right. doesn't get it or something. Exactly. Like, so yeah. yeah, someone like that doesn't have the handle. So they're really, uh, they protect the, some things. And that was the case with most of those handles. Queer was a more recent, um, I guess you'd say like brought that in under the umbrella more recently. Uh, okay. Gaycation as well. But the three big ones were pretty well protected by Instagram until we were able to start running them. So okay, gotcha. yeah, that, they weren't, they weren't just hanging like, out. Okay. I was gonna say no. I cannot believe that. Do yeah. you, <laughs> Levi? Do you ever do you like uh, not put your foot down? But like, do you wait? Because obviously there were I was I was looking at, while you guys were on vacation. There were pictures on some of these accounts of you guys, or Brandon, um, on these accounts, and it was amazing that this was you know that you guys were that you were showcasing. I mean the great photos and everything, but it was just. Do you have like? Are you like, hey, we're gonna post this? <laughs> or like, does anybody question you ever? Like when you're like saying like i'm gonna post this. i mean you should do this now so i'm not trying to think no i mean ray is generally pretty honest so like uh he if it's if there's something like blatantly why am i out of focus what is going on with you <laughs> am i out of focus to you no hey, come on a man. little bit not bad yeah there you're, okay, back, there we you're go. back now yeah great so oh, um, now i just made a scooter yeah now i'm good um for the most part no if if it's something and someone's like, this is why we shouldn't do this. Or there's something I don't know about. Like there's some weird trend on Twitter or TikTok that I have no idea what it means. And it's like picking up steam like, oh, but they could jump on the bandwagon and then we'll get taken over by trolls. Then I'm generally like, okay, fine. We won't do that. But for the most part, no. I mean, I do know like, let's try to keep it. I'll, I'll explain something that happened. It's happening right now. And it's troll related. Um, Love a troll part, story. Oh gosh, trolls. Come on now. I wish we could um, get some trolls. Let's just put it that way. Because oh, we're the God. nobodies. <laughs> no, because we will not give anyone like that life. True. Good. Go ahead. Sorry, Levi. <sighs> no, you're fine. So, yeah. I mean, for the most part, no. There's very few things, though, that I would post. I'm very rarely on there. For the podcast I do or the IGTV show I do. But other than that, I don't think I've ever posted a photo of myself on any of those handles. Probably not. Brandon, maybe. Maybe. Um, he's been on the Gaiety Instagram a few times. But other than that, no. Because... I mean, let's be real. There's a lot of white gay men and there's a lot of white gay men doing cooler shit than I'm doing. So <laughs> if there is like a small spot in our calendar for like, okay, we could put this dude up and and we have other people that we want to showcase that, you know, are more diverse. They don't need me. There's, there's plenty of me they can pick from. <laughs> That's a great. That's a great answer. That's a great answer. This episode of the Nobody's Podcast is brought to you by emilyroggenberg.com. Ew, why are you talking like that? Uh, it, this is my serious voice. This is a serious plug for emilyroggenberg.com. And in turn, I'm using my serious voice. That's your serious voice? Yes. Okay, nobody, first of all, nobody takes you seriously. Second of all, listeners, if you guys want a place to find amazing chic apparel and one-of-a-kind custom designs, go straight over to emilyroggenberg.com. Annie, I love her city-based clothing. She's got t-shirts, sweatshirts, and hoodies with all of your favorite cities on them for you to wear with pride. She's got Cleveland, New York, Los Angeles, which is where I live. Except you go home to Nebraska for four months at a time. Okay, but that's the beauty of Emily Roggenberg's designs. You can wear all this stuff no matter what city you're in. No, I get it. And personally, I love the empowerment apparel because it aligns and promotes values that I feel very strongly about and have talked a lot about on this podcast. Women empowerment, equality, kindness, and mental health. 
And all of the pieces are done in beautiful neutrals that can be worn every day. She also has these incredible photographs for purchase. So go to emilyroggenberg.com to look at all of her awesome stuff. And right now you can use the promo code NOBODY for 25% off your purchase. So please go check out emilyroggenberg.com and use promo code NOBODY. That's Emily, R-O-G-G-E-N-B-U-R-K.com, promo code NOBODY. Thanks, guys. Fucking nailed that. We nailed it. Hell yes, I did it. I nailed it. What's next? The rest of the scene. <laughs> and now back to the show. I want to talk about your podcast now. You're the host and producer of the Hip Podcast Pride. What made you want to get into podcasting? Did it just fall on your lap or did, were you pursuing it? I wasn't pursuing it. So it did kind of, it didn't really fall on my lap and more like banged on the door and I had to be like, what do I have to? Okay. Um, (laughs) So it actually came through a friend of Brandon's. He's my friend too, but I will say he was Brandon's friend first. His name is Will Sterling. And he was like, oh my God, you have this huge audience. You should have a podcast. Come meet my friend who does podcasts. And then uh, I met Ryan Tillotson who owns Straw Hut Media and does podcasting. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. We don't have an LGBTQ podcast. Let's do it. And the rest is kind of history. It went pretty quickly. We actually had a name change early on. We were LGBTQ plus you. Then we changed to pride um, because we had the pride Instagram and the Twitter and all of these assets that we could use as its home. So Mm -hmm. we shifted to pride eh, maybe like a few months in. And honestly, that team is pretty amazing. And people don't know how much goes into podcasting, especially if it's somewhat scripted, the amount of editing that goes in and then the video component, just like, forget about it. It's (laughs) behind the scenes. There are like six people working on each episode to make them work and make them come out. Yeah. I had a very similar experience. It was not, Annie was basically knocking down my door and said, you should like, we should do a podcast. And I wasn't apprehensive about it. I don't remember. That but literally I, could not be more opposite of the truth. <laughs> oh no, but I, but no, you were the one, you came up with the idea. You said we should do a podcast. And oh, it, was your, yeah. it was your idea. And it was like something. And now Annie probably regrets every single thing that you ever don't, said. Let me just make one because... thing perfectly clear. It was my idea. <clears throat> However, there was no like door banging. Or... No, no, no. Oh yeah. No, I shouldn't. I shouldn't <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. There was no door banging, but it was, she was like, we should do this. And I was like, should we? And then it became the thing that I became completely obsessed with and yeah. the only thing that I ever do. So anyway, so now this is your jam. You're a podcaster. <laughs> yes. Well, Good. I love, I love your show. And I think that you have such a great soothing voice that I feel like, have you ever considered doing ASMR? Because I think you yes, do yes, it. I think yes. I could do it. Like yes. I think, and I like you dill pickles, totally and could. I feel like dill pickles. Yes, are very popular. <laughs> oh, like I her? like this. Oh yes. Would you like a pickle? Couldn't yeah. you like go to sleep to this? <laughs> could you no, go to actually, you should see if you can get a job with like Headspace or Calm. For yeah, like, I heard that like, I do meditations. Have, yeah, someone called it a. Um, Actually, one of my old coworkers was like, oh, I love your podcast. You sound like a librarian. And it's like, oh, <laughs> you're like, great. Thank you. Thank you. Cool. People have told us that we put them to sleep, like in a good way. And yeah. right? like, does that mean I'm quiet? That. Like, that's in the U.S. history and biography section. <laughs> I just that's like the vibe. having known you now for 30 minutes, I cannot imagine you ever raising your voice, ever getting no. like upset. You just seem like the most even keel, relaxed person on the planet. 
Ugh, if Brandon's watching this, I'm not sure if he is. Can we tell if he's watching this? I don't know. Um, I unlisted it. I shouldn't have unlisted it. I should have like sent it to send him the link. Oh Lord. He would run in here and be like, he's crazy. Um, but I do like, I feel like I have, I have a long fuse, very long fuse. Okay. It's long. But when it gets to the end is when I'm like, okay, we're going to okay. have down. So there is like, there's a point of no return. It's just hard. Yeah. It takes me a while to get there. You can sense it coming. Oh, so there's yeah. some warning in it. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. And I could I and I will often say, like, I'm very close to freaking out. Yeah. Like you need a tornado warning, like a yeah. like a beeping. Like or a something. siren alarm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I get what were you gonna like, say though? Who me? me? Yeah, Annie. What were you were you just gonna say something to cut you off? Oh no, I was gonna say I have a very similar thing. Most of my meltdowns though are usually just because I like need a good cry because I'm overwhelmed. Yeah. And actually, fairly recently, I came home and I had just had like way too much on my plate. And I, I said my favorite place to cry is the shower because I think it's just very cleansing in multiple ways. <laughs> and I came home and I looked at my boyfriend. And I was like, I just need to go cry. And he was like, Okay. And then when I got out, he goes, you've needed that for a while. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I have. <laughs> so this is like a thing? Like you're like, I'm going to do a cry session? Yes. It does not happen very often. But when I get really stressed out, like, you know, when you just have to like ugly cry in private and you're like, okay, yes. now I'm good. And that's kind of, it's like my release. And he knows, I mean, we've been together for almost 10 years. So he knows now that like mine takes place in the shower. I let it all out. I get out of the shower and then I'm good. But yeah, yeah this particular time he was like, you've been needing one of those. For a while. <laughs> he <laughs> needed to cry. Yeah. 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 Sometimes like I do that. I don't know that I will like, I don't schedule crying like, Oh, two 30 time to cry. But, um, Oh God, me either. My little brother asked actually, and I say little brother, it's just so weird. Cause he's in his late twenties, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he was little and now he's not. Yeah. But um, yes. he, he said like, Oh, are you going to, ugly cry like Julianne Moore. And I was like, <laughs> Nobody probably. can cry like Julianne Moore. And you can picture it. It's one of those like, yep. Yes. Silent. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's it's just hilarious. to watch. You're just like, mm -hmm. you're like, Ooh, that does hurt me a little. I wanted, I do want to go quickly, go back to your podcast because I love how, I love how informative it is. I, I dream of a podcast. Annie frequently has to tell me that this is not like a junior high social studies class in our podcast, but I really, really want it to be. So I really enjoyed, I, I don't listen to podcasts like yours where it's almost like you're listening to a documentary and you have these, you know, you, you tell a story and then you have a guest on normally that is also telling a story. And I thought what was so interesting in the latest episode that um, you were talking about children's toys and how back in the day, forgive me, I mean, cut me off too if I'm doing this wrong, but big toy companies basically use capitalism to identify both primary colors based on gender, like pink is for girls and blue is for boys, as well as like gender-based toys, like Barbies are for girls and GI Joes are for boys. And you talked to the president uh, or the vice president of Lego, which was amazing. But you also mentioned that you, you said you liked My Little Pony growing up. Oh my and, God. Yeah. And I was wondering, I was just wondering, cause you said your mom was really supportive, but was like, was everybody else or I mean, did you feel like that was, I mean, I, I think a lot of people actually Ryan who produces my podcast, when we recorded that, he was like, Oh, I played with Barbies. And I was like, weird. Cause Ryan's straight. Right. And so it's like a, it, people would assume like, Oh, if they played with Barbies, they're probably gay. Not the case, no. which actually really speaks to what um, Matthew from Lego said 
where it's like kids don't get that. The only way they understand a toy is gendered is if you tell them it is. Like if you didn't do that and handed a toy, a doll, to a little boy who didn't know the difference, he would play with it. It's a toy, right? Or make That's it weird. Thing. Like if you make it weird, or as if like weird. a guy, if, if if a boy is playing with a Barbie or vice versa, you know. Well, it's, it's the same thing about race. The only yes. reason, I, I mean, kids have no idea that there's any difference in race. Yes. They just yeah. see their friend. And so I think, yeah, I think it's a societal thing that it's just all of it. Yeah. How long yeah, did no. you love? How long did you love My Little Pony? Forever. Uh, let's. Still, I don't know. He still does. Like, he still does. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, true. I mean, the new one with like the new characters, they're fine. Uh, Rainbow Dash <laughs> would probably be my jam out of the new ones, but I I love like the 1980s. Uh, my Little Pony, and I really did love Wind Whistler. That was one of my favorites. I loved the movies, and I mean, my mom got into it. There was a time where there were these special edition ponies, which, by the way, if I had them now, I probably wouldn't have to work anymore because they're like collectible <laughs> items, oh, and yeah. I'd eBay that sucker, and she'd be gone. Anyway, they had like they had a few. They had a Rapunzel pony that had really long hair. They had like this mom and baby pony that were special edition. You had to collect box tops. Do you know how many box tops you need? It's like when you go to Chuck E. Cheese and they're like, oh, would you yes. like this yo-yo? You need 65,000 tokens and that would cost you $400 for this yo-yo. Same situation. <laughs> but my mom did it. She bought all the stuff, all the boxes she needed to get me those limited edition ponies, which would now, like if they're in the box, they'd be worth a ton. Of course, I took them in the bath and turned their like plastic hair into a rat's nest like first day. <laughs> but she went all out. She did not care if I was like, oh my gosh, I have to have this pony. I even remember one time, my dad, my mom, maybe my little brother, I don't remember if he was born or not. We drove all the way to Toys R Us. Toys R Us. We lived in Sedona. We drove two and a half hours, my cat wants out, to <laughs> Phoenix to go to Toys R Us because they had these like winged My Little Ponies, Pegasus ponies, and their wings flapped. I saw that on like Disney or Nickelodeon was like, Oh. We have to go to Phoenix <laughs> right like, now. Yeah. Right now, <laughs> right this they have. I called the one on whatever. I mean, I was that kind of kid too, right? I mean, like, I verified they have one in stock. We need to go, and That's we amazing. did. We got in the car, drove to Phoenix to buy this My Little Pony. So, yeah, my my it probably stemmed from my mom mostly, and then my dad was like, "Whatever, you want one, you want one, fine." Yeah, but yeah. That's so that's, that's, that's great. That's really cool though, because yeah. when we were kids, that was like not the norm. It was very gender driven. Yes. Yeah. And Annie, yeah. did Not Annie, did you play with did you play with like boys' toys or did you I mean because you're you have a younger sister and then you have two younger brothers, but they're Yeah. I mean, I remember every year for Christmas my grandma would get my sister and I new like baby dolls. So we played a lot. We all just kind of played together though. So there was never I don't ever remember being like discouraged about playing yeah. with something or encouraged to play with something different we were all i would also played basketball and we played sports yeah. so it was very we were all kind of just I, I would consider myself a tomboy but i don't have any specific memories of like toys specific things that we would be obsessed with yeah. um but yeah my parents were like you guys just all four go play together so <laughs> yeah like just kind of mixed and matched yeah, exactly. It's adult time. <laughs> I never played with I never played with really girl stuff, but I did dress up in my mom's silk robe and wear her high heels and call my and like call my said I was like a teacher when I was like You're five fancy. years old. Yeah. Yeah. And Check I was like, I was gonna teach you, I'm gonna teach you guys like I don't know what I don't know what I was teaching them. I don't know what I was teaching my sister and brother. But um yeah. Huh. I mean yeah, I did that. Put I the window to... into my world. You were like in drag. Yeah. <laughs> 
I did too. I, my mom had this really weird hat that looked like, I mean, it honestly looked like it would have been for like a female Paddington bear. It was like this <laughs> hat with a freaking flower on it. But like Carmen San Diego. They were kind of like old school, like burlap uh, bucket hats. And they always yes. had a big flower on it. We yeah. had those. Yeah. So she had one of those and I used to put that on and then I would put on one of her skirts and like a blouse. And I actually, my mom had a video camera. There's probably this video somewhere. I had a talk show and my name was Barbara. And I would interview like either my friends who were like, I have no idea what's going on or inanimate <laughs> objects. Um, but yeah, I had this like character named Barbara who I'd be like, well, Barbara's doing a talk show today. Hence, look at this. I mean, this all makes sense now. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes, absolutely. My, my, my drag name was Miss Conti. I mean, I also dressed up in oh. various things. I was Billy Ray Cyrus for a long time. I made people Miss call me Billy Ray. Wait, 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 wait. Miss Conti, was, is this the yeah. teacher you knew or this you made up that name? This was that I knew. I actually, okay. long story short, my family lived in London for a very short amount of time when I was this age. And it was after we had gotten back from London and her Got name it. was Miss Conti. And that's why I was a teacher and that's, but I went to kindergarten there and they used to tease me endlessly because I used to say, I need to go to the bathroom. And at the time, I mean, in London, they were like, you don't, they would laugh every time I'd say it. Cause that's not what they call it. That's like actually going to take a bath. So that's what they thought yeah. I was doing. Do they call it the Lou? Or the something? Lou or the John or like, you know, whatever. Uh, I always go Australian. I almost, I always yeah. try. I'm picturing you saying her name with a British accent. Miss like, Conti. Yeah. As, as I was like a child, little kid but yeah i mean so i had an array of like characters that i had in my arsenal but that was definitely one of them billy ray cyrus like i said um there was some sort of like cowboy person i was really into country music anyway this is not about me that's fun um, <laughs> something's um, never changed right something's never changed no um so levi how like how are you celebrating pride are you kind of like a staple of all the you know you said you were at a rally you know how do you celebrate pride being someone who is such an authority in this in this you know space i mean i i don't know that i would call myself an authority but well we you. are you're a somebody just get over yeah. it I mean, okay i'll do it you know, i'll take it just take it <laughs> and you um, absolutely are amongst us yes for yeah. sure for yeah. sure <laughs> like, of the three of us you are the expert on <laughs> You are. Great. Yes. Okay. Yes. That, that'll work. Um, you know, honestly, I was actually having this conversation with someone earlier who I, I used to work with and was like, how's Pride Month going? And I was like, it's the worst. It's so busy. And that if you're in LGBTQ media or LGBTQ, the space at all, nonprofits, Pride Month is a zoo. So the rally you referenced actually wasn't there. We did oh. an Instagram live with people who were there. So it's a lot of coordinating to get stories out. I mean, that's kind of what we do all day, every day is tell a story in some different medium, whether it's a post or a video or an Instagram live, where we're going from a, a rally. That's kind of what pride month has been for me for about the last six years, right? Seven years. Mm -hmm. So very rarely is it like, let's go, you know, out and have fun. And especially this year and last year with COVID and all of those things yeah. kind of puts the damper on it. But for the most part, it's, it's our busiest time. And so much of it is spent just organizing, getting things kind of all of our ducks in a row every day, the podcast, any, you know, if we have um, advertising partners are working with helping them achieve their goals, but then also kind of it's, it's the time where we publish as much content as we can. You have to make all that content or curate it yeah. or someone else make it. So my pride month, I would say I probably celebrate most by working, right? Working for the movement, essentially, mm -hmm. whether it's yeah. amplifying other voices or telling stories, it's not a lot of, I guess, the more celebratory things that Pride has become 
from a mainstream perspective, it's kind of more of the, the I would say the activist-y part. I mean, I'm not out on the streets, but we're definitely organizing with people who are to help their mm -hmm. voice be heard. Right. So. Which is technically what pride is supposed to be about, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, you'll see that that meme everywhere that says like, uh, I think it says like pride was a riot or something like that. And that's mm -hmm. legitimately what it was. Like not, yeah. pride started as a riot, not a parade, not a party. And right. there's an element of, of it going back to that, like kind of back mm -hmm. to its roots where it is about activism and equality as opposed to pride floats. All of those things are nice. Pride floats are nice. You know, pride parties are nice. All of that's nice. But it, it really started as something else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It started, I mean, it was started in stone. It was the Stonewall uprising for, you know, going back to my social studies class in 1969. Mm -hmm. um, the police stormed a, a nightclub, a gay nightclub. Um, but is that, so do you get sick of like having to educate people all the time? Like are, are people out constantly asking you questions like we are like, here's, you know, what's pride and like what, you know, what are some misconceptions do you think about um, that? Like as, if you could, or even just like, how do you explain kind of pride? Like, as Annie mentioned, you know, let me rephrase my question. How do you explain, um, you know, a lot of our audiences from the Midwest and may not know a lot about this? Although I will say where Annie and I went to college was at the University of Nebraska at Lincoln. I just heard on the radio um, the other day that they're having their very first pride parade ever. Um, I think this weekend in Lincoln, Nebraska, which is phenomenal and a huge yeah. step forward because it's, I mean, Nebraska is a very conservative state. And anyway, I just wanted to know, like, how, would, what, what are some, maybe, um, how would you kind of could explain it? Maybe if this question doesn't make any sense, it's fine. You can just tell me, but like, basically, how do you explain like to your sort of boomer relatives that maybe don't know a lot about pride or kind of what, what it really means or what's, what's kind of the cliff notes. I hate to say that because I think it's, everyone should, it's, it's worth the education, but for lack of a better phrase. Okay, so I would say this. I think a lot of people, you define, what did you call them? The boomer? The, the boomers. boomers, yeah. Um, I think they think of Pride as like this celebration where all the gays come out and they, you know, wear rainbow colors and that's that's what Pride stands for. Yeah. But it was really established in 1966 and a lot of people don't know that it was tied to the Black Cat Tavern here in Los Angeles and the inception of The Advocate. So Pride started as an acronym. It actually stands for the Personal Rights in Defense and Education. And it was a group that was combating police harassment and brutality of queer people, specifically in Los Angeles. It was founded by Steve Ginsburg, who was the co-chair of the 1973 Gay Freedom Day Parade in San Francisco. And it was kind of the beginning of queer media as we know it today, which is sort of weird, right? Because Very. Pride started as this group that was really just trying to raise awareness around what was happening to people in queer clubs. And it started as a pamphlet that essentially distributed information wow. to the, the LGBTQ plus community in the 60s. And it eventually evolved and became a little bit bigger pamphlet called The Advocate, which eventually became The Advocate magazine. And there's this whole history around that and that that's really what pride started as it was more of a, a group really fighting harassment i think people forget about that but that's the heart of pride it's it's not it is about all of the things that people think it is and being proud of who you are but it's also about fighting for what's right yeah oh god that's a great answer damn levi great answer well, i think if more people knew that some people because you always hear the idiots and the <sighs> People that I personally can't stand that are like, well, why don't we have a straight pride month? Oh, and I think, you know, people that are just stupid. But when you hear that, it's like, if you knew what this is stemming from, you wouldn't say dumb shit like that. 
Yeah. Absolutely. So Pride literally started, there was a police raid at the Black Cat Tavern. And after that, they started, this group started publishing a single page newsletter that eventually became the Los Angeles Advocate. That became the Advocate. So it really has roots in not rainbows and all of those mm -hmm. things that you think of today. Yeah. It really is about activism and fighting for equality. And it always has been. Sometimes that gets, you know, lost. Things like, yeah, it gets lost yeah. through rainbow capitalism, all sorts of things that take over pride as they do all sorts of things. But it really was just a little instructional booklet. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, wow. I actually didn't know that. I'm yeah, I didn't really either. glad that's, you said that. That's phenomenal information. All right. So Levi, we, I know you have to go, but we have a couple of special segments that we like to do. Uh, as of you mentioned, Annie and I really love our moms and we thought it would be fun to ask one of them to submit a question or two to ask our somebodies and our somebody segments. In the special segment, <laughs> we very obviously call the mom question. So this yeah. week's mom question comes from my mom, Janie, who wants to know um, what are She's she was just wondering if there was any sort of like books or TV and film that you could that you could recommend for people to educate themselves on the subject. If there's anything that you really loved that that interprets maybe your experience or, or, or a good experience, a great experience of of, you know, LGBTQ plus community. OK, there's a couple of documentaries that I think are super important. One of them is more broad and the other is more focused on one part of the community, but I'll, I'll recommend two. One of them is Pride on Hulu. I love it. The people that are in it are really phenomenal and most of them are making huge waves and really fighting for fighting the good fight. Um, so I recommend that it's on Hulu. You can access it. I think it came out like June 1st. It's a great documentary. Well, it's a docu, docu series, but okay. you get it. The yeah. second one is called Disclosure and I love it. It's on Netflix. It's specifically about the trans community and the concept of disclosure. Um, that is one that uh, Sam Fader was the director. Jen Richards is, was a, a producer on it and she's also in it. It's phenomenal. And it, it's a part of the community that I don't think that story's ever been told. So those two documentaries, I highly Are recommend. they both trans, the people that you mentioned that I'm assuming? Sam Fader and uh, Jen Richards. Jen Richards. Jen Richards, okay. yes. That, that entire documentary is specifically around uh, trans people. Laverne Cox makes quite a few appearances. Awesome. Um, but it's it great really that they have like people that are, you know, that like, you, like you're mentioning, you know, it's so cool too. And just not to cut you off, but just it's awesome how you're like, I'm not this. So I, you just, you give people the same, the same right and footing. I think is amazing too. So mm -hmm. kudos to you, by the way. But yeah, so it's really nice to have people to see people that are doing, that are trans that are doing these behind the, the camera, you know, as opposed Absolutely. to. That documentary is great because it, it dives into media's representation of trans people historically in films like Ace Ventura, Pet Detective and Silence of the Lambs and the negative effects that those things had on mainstream society and even the queer community, their perception of trans people there was a couple moments in there where it changed the way I thought about Ace Ventura Peck Detective. Such a funny movie. After you watch that documentary, you see it from a different light and you go, oh, that really wouldn't be funny. It would hurt someone For if sure. you were trans. And then you have to watch that. It, it changed my perspective on a lot of media that involved trans people. So that's why I think, and I see a lot of queer content. I think it's something that's super important for everyone to watch. It's only like an hour and a half, two hours, but it's, Really, cool. that's great. I'm adding those yeah, to the queue for so sure. I. That's awesome. All right, so Levi, to end our somebody sessions, we like to ask everyone the same three questions, and they're pretty rapid fire. So, Annie, would you please do the honors? Yes. The first question is, what is your favorite hard seltzer or alcoholic beverage? Ooh, my favorite. Can it be a mixed drink? Sure. Yeah. 
Oh, I love a French 75. I don't know what's in it. There's champagne in it and gin. I know there's gin and champagne and I think lemon juice. uh, We need a- Love that you don't know what's in it. (laughs) It sounds like an aviation sort of. French 75. It's fancy. Plus you feel fancy when you order it, no matter where you are. Like, you know, have a French 75. I have to know what this is. Yeah. Delicious. That's probably one of my favorites. Although I do like a can. That's not a hard, you know- Yes, Brandon said the same thing. Yeah, he, he did. It. He said he was going to get us some. So can you maybe like just I'll memo, him. memo him? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm a memoranda. Bryce wants. Yeah, Bryce yeah. Needs can. <laughs> I need some can. It's. I looked it up. It's uh, gin, fresh lemon juice, sugar, and champagne. Yum. Kind of sounds Try like an alcohol spritz a little bit. It's delicious. Maybe not. Oh, okay. What's wait? I love what? that. Um, okay. The second question is what is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Oh gosh. Someone just gave me a great piece of advice the other day too. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it stuck. Yeah. Oh my gosh, It did. It did for a while. And then it st- faded away. Um, it was, it was really good too. And it was a quote. Damn it. Oh, I hate that. Uh, the best piece of advice I think that I've been given recently was to take joy in the journey and not just like, when this happens, everything will be fine. Because if that's what hey, you're man. I mean, aiming yeah. for, like when this happens, I'll be happy. If this happens, I'll be happy. You have to take joy in the small things that are on the path to happiness. Tattoo yeah. that on my forehead, please. I have can't remember guys, the quote, but. This is actually, I think I might know it. Um, did it come from America's Got Talent? It might have. <laughs> so this, I know that sounds crazy. I am going to, you guys have to just, YouTube Nightbird and you'll see the okay. video but she okay. is she was she was auditioning for America's Got Talent she's a 30 year old singer unbelievably talented but she has cancer and they asked her like hey how are you feeling and she said well recently I found out that I still have a little cancer in my spine my lungs and my liver and they end up she sings everyone's blown away and she's and Simon says something I can't remember but she said you can't wait until life isn't hard anymore to decide to be happy Oh God! That's literally what it was. Why yeah. Did... Okay. It's. I knew that I, she just went viral. Okay. I need to go through my text messages and find this because that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought because I had the same reaction. I was like, "That is the best advice like I've ever heard." Yes, and yeah. I'm, I'm literally looking now, like, "Who just said that to me?" Because that was it. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. We're well, like there. Wait. You go. A little ESP yeah. for you. Oh, wow. <laughs> Good job. Thank you for that. That oh, was the. You're quote. so welcome. Good. Um, okay. The last question is what do you believe that you're an expert of? It does not have to be anything with the LGBTQ plus community or pride or anything like that. Okay. This is going to be really weird. Brandon's probably gonna be like, why did you say that? Um, I'm (laughs) very good at, I, I volunteer for the animal shelter a lot. So like, and, and I grew up on a farm, which is a weird question but it's for a different podcast, but I grew up on a yeah. farm. So I spent a lot of time with animals. So one thing is I'm very good at caring for like neonatal animals. Like I can do bottle fed kittens or things like that. So if anyone has like a bottle fed kitten or a random possum that you're like, I don't know what to do with this just <laughs> here, I'll do it. So that's something I'm good at. I'm very good at that. Like I, I probably that. should be a vet tech or something. So I am. Yeah. And I think animal heard- shelter be like, you are. Have, yes, seriously. Have you heard of Barkin' Bitches, the rescue in no. LA? No. Okay, oh, follow yeah, them. Follow them on bitches? Instagram. They okay. Barkin' Bitches. It's like Bark N, the letter N, bitches. Okay. We we adopted a dog from there, but they get bottle-fed puppies that they need fosters for all the time. And I'm like most people it. can't do that. So 
And, but they always post on their Instagram. So you should definitely look into that. It's because I'm dedicated to it. Like when we get bottle fed kittens, like, cause Brandon, we do it together. Sometimes you get tiny ones and you're bottle feeding them every 45 minutes. It's just like my maternal instincts. I'm like, okay, I have to set my alarm for every 45 minutes, 24 hours. (laughs) And I'll just get up every 45 minutes for the next two weeks and bottle feed these things. So nothing bad happens to them. I will do (laughs) it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that. Well, that's our show. Thank you so much for being here, Levi. You can and should follow him on Instagram at Levi Chambers, as well as all the accounts he oversees, including at LGBT, at LGBTQ, at Pride, at Queer, and at Gaycation. And please check out gaiety.co for news, entertainment, health tips, and much, much more. Finally, go listen and subscribe to Pride, the podcast, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You will not be disappointed. You can also visit any one of these platforms for more information and education on Pride Month and what Pride means to its community. Thank you so, so much Thank for coming you so on. Much. This is so great and so informative. Awesome. And your podcast is amazing. Um, Thank you very, very much for having oh, me. Oh, it's so great. It Thank you so much for, for coming on. Seriously, it means a lot. Yes. Awesome. No worries. So well, nice happy, Pride. happy Pride. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. And I'll see you all later. Okay, guys, if you are not following us on Instagram yet, please do so at Nobody's Pod, at Annie underscore Wilk, and at Bryce Advice. It's the exact same on TikTok. Twitter is at Nobody's The Pod. Same for our personals. And you can always email us at noexpertallopinion at gmail.com. Thanks, guys. We hope you have an amazing weekend. And more importantly, a mediocre week. Thanks, guys. The Nobody's Podcast is produced by me, Annie Wilkinson, and Bryce McClay. It is recorded remotely in small, crummy apartments in the San Fernando Valley. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 